This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host, ship historian, Darren Moser. Darren, I hear you're focusing on all the yellow shirts that have served here on the old NC-1701D. Any stories you'd like to share? You know, I was looking through uh, my data logs, and did you know? I mean, I just data I log. I get it. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but d- there's this. There was a tactical officer, you know, at, at towards the very beginning of the good old one seven zero one D. I I could barely find anything on her, but she had some very interesting exploits and was forced to do probably a lot of things that she shouldn't have been, but. Um, uh, yeah, it's. I think they should name like a memorial phaser range for her or something. At least, at the least. But, uh, but Wait, I know. Is... But I do know that she loved Windows ninety five. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that that sounds like DC Fontana. All right. Um, and I'm joined by uh, my other co-host. Dan- oh wait, hold on. Oh no, this is awesome. I, I- uh, ladies and gentlemen, due to a temporal anomaly, I'm joined by the great, 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 great grandson of Daniel Pru, who I have to admit looks <laughs> almost exactly like him. What can you tell us about life in the Prucher? Uh, <laughs> I like that. Oh, Philip, you just made up for that intro with the uh, with that Pru pun right there. That was fantastic. Um, come on, uh, Philip. You're, you're, he's Philip is teasing me now, ladies and gentlemen. He knows that I hate. Hate, hate, when, and we'll get into it later. I might even have a rant prepared for this about when people play their own ancestors slash descendants. I, I cannot stand it. It's, that's not how genetics works, people. I thought this was a science fiction show. Come on. Uh, the rant of a blue shirt. All right. Well, um, as folks may be able to tell, we're going to do one of our overlong character profiles here on Earl Grey. That's right. Dr. Bever- oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> Actually, no, this says, we got to postpone that one. I'm sorry. This, yeah, she <laughs> does say Natasha Yar. Well, in order to, to cover the character of Lieutenant Natasha Yar and her years of service on the Enterprise D, we're going to need some help. And so we have some very special guests here on Earl Grey. We have a friend of the show, Andy Vanderkolk. Andy, welcome back again. Hi. And we have making uh, her debut here on Earl Grey. Um, Andy's co-host at Women at Warp, making this a Women at Warp 2, Jera Hodge. <laughs> Hello. Jarrah, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, when we do talk about character profiles, one of the things we always like to start with is sort of first impressions of the character. So um, Tasha Yar, uh, as, as was 
mentioned who? previously. The uh, that's what that, we're going to finally answer that question, I, Daniel. After this, we can't say who anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. While Daniel is Wikipediaing or memorizing uh, Tashiar, um, I, I wanted to uh, maybe first hit uh, our guest first, um, but but just curious about y'all's first impressions of of Tashiar. How did you first see her, and what was your you know first impressions when you you know quote unquote met her? And I figured we'd go to the person who has. The most recent of first impressions whenever you talk Star Trek, and that's uh, Andy. So what, what was kind of your first impression of uh, Lieutenant Yar? Wow. Um, honestly, I didn't have much of one. I didn't feel like I knew really who she was. And actually, when they killed her off, I was like, really? I didn't even get a chance to learn who this character was and if I liked her or not before they killed her off. Um, I, I mean, I... I didn't dislike her, but I didn't think that I had gotten a real sense of her personality or character. And then she was eaten by a goo monster. <laughs> so that that left no, me with not much to not much to think about with Tasha Yar. And um, you know, looking back on it, I have formed more opinions since then. Like looking back on the, her original run, and then you know all of the stuff that came later, and like thinking about it and talking about it in the fandom and stuff. Now I have more of a solid impression, but that first time through, I was like, what? Wait, what? Where'd, where'd she go? Like, just completely jarring to just have her be introduced. Jarring? Do you mean completely jarring? Yes, exactly. <laughs> jarring. We're going to coin but, a but new on phrase. A, on a scale of 1 to 10, how did she open her hailing frequencies? How was, <laughs> how was that best? Uh, what, what about you, Jerry? What, what, what you sort of your first impression of Yar, and would you would you think mm, of her? Well, I started watching TNG when I was a kid, probably around season three. So I started the first time I actually saw Yar was in Yesterday's Enterprise. Um, so I was like, she's really cool. And then I went back and saw the first season. I was like, huh, okay. I don't know why they they got like <laughs> i'm glad that they uh, did bring her back but um i agree like the first time i saw her i didn't get much of a strong impression and it was only through um you know reading about uh how uh, particularly women fans reacted to her at the time um because she was really something new for star trek um and uh, reading uh you know her commentary and listening to denise crosby's commentary that i sort of developed more of an appreciation for her you know, it's interesting. You're starting at season three, so it's almost sort of like uh, you know, you're watching yesterday's Enterprise, going, you're sort of like uh, everyone that's not gone and going, something has changed on the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's, yeah. That was an interesting guest they brought in to play Worf. That was, uh, but I mean, because that was almost my experience. Because I can't remember which season I started watching live. It was either three or four, and so for me, y'all was kind of like the prequel, like. I go back and I'm like, oh, there was another tactical officer? You know, it's, it's kind of like almost the original series with me because it's kind of getting an impression of the movies first and then going back and actually watching the TOS original series. Like, oh, they made a prequel to the movies. How, how cool. <laughs> you know, so. But uh, what about uh, you, Darren? What was your sort of impression of Yar? Well, I mean, besides the fact that she taught us you should always reseal your Play-Doh because you never <laughs> know what's going to happen if you leave that stuff out. But uh, but no, I I mean, she's in... She does have her share of Yar-focused episodes, 
I mean, it's it's not, but they just they didn't do a very good job with her in those focus. I mean, we've all heard, you know, no vaccine and no <laughs> Lieutenant Yar. I mean, it's, just, Yar. it's sure almost actually allowed to play that episode in 2015. <laughs> I believe yeah, it was. Is, is um, that the song of the South of Star Trek? <laughs> we, we took we took down the Confederate flag and we burned Code of Honor. <laughs> okay. I think that's exactly what was planned. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just you know. Obviously, Denise Crosby is trying, clawing at at having a character in this in this great show, but it's just the the writers were just not giving her anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, but overall, I think um, you know. Again, I, based off of our conversation last week, I'm surprised the first season season even sort of may, happened. <laughs> you know that, that you know that self the ship didn't self destruct, but. Uh, but no, but overall, just my impression of the character, I man, I like her character, uh, you know, besides the faults, which were, again, mostly are in just the writing, not necessarily in, in Denise. Um, but, uh, I think she was a pretty dang good tactical officer. The times we see her, you know, act at it, she's not, she didn't have that chip on her shoulder that Worf kind of does where he's like, I can't sit by and not shoot things, you know, it's <laughs> like, or, you know, how fast, you know, we all know during the night shift, he actually practices on that other bridge, jumping over the horseshoe. He's like, okay, what if I roll when I jump? No, no. What if I, what if I duck and swing? No, that's not going to work. I'm so tall, but you know, he just seemed really concerned about that. But, uh, anyway, sidetrack from VR, but, um, yeah, but I mean, I, I, we know she's a great Parisi squares player, you know, the do the pieces we do get, I mean, she's an enjoyable character. It's just, it's just sad that we just got so little of her. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Darren's illustrating the point that you can't talk about Yara within, without being like, so anyway, about Worf. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're I'm actually not trying to turn this Yar. into a Worf episode. I We're promise. Actually, yeah, no, but I mean, I think that's, that's a challenge. I think with. And we'll talk about it all here, but with with Yar, I mean, of course, I say only, you know, back in 80s television, there was 85 episodes per season back then. I mean, but no, like, <laughs> she appeared in 22 episodes, so, like, you kind of think to yourself, like, oh, she was just the first half of the first season. Mm, like, the first third, that was 22 episodes. Um, and, and, and I'm not even counting, um, you know, subsequent temporal appearances, <laughs> but just, like, as first season, Tasha Yar, 22 episodes. Yeah, but she's Daniel, in a lot of it, yeah. Yeah, Dana, what was your your impression of uh, the inaugural yellow shirt? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of have to echo, um, I think, what Andy said, that we didn't really get to know her um, as much as... I mean, not that we got to know really anybody in the first season, honestly. Not a lot of character development going around there. Um, So, but... it's almost like you didn't get a full sense of the character. Uh, we didn't really get to learn who she was all the way around. Even though, um, you know, actually last week or two weeks ago, just recently, I'll say, Mission Log had uh, Marina Sirtis on um, to interview her. And it was she actually said something really interesting. Um, they brought up the fact that Tasha had left. Uh, not Tasha, of course, but um, Denise had left in the first season and be citing reasons like she didn't get a lot to do and, she, uh, you know, there was not a lot of uh, stuff to work with. And Marina was like, well, that's that's bullcrap. She's like, we learned more about Tasha Yar's backstory in the first episode than we ever did about uh, um, Troy's, which is actually kind of interesting going back and thinking of it because, of, you know, we... Her backstory is kind of drilled into our heads in the first 
20 episodes, you know? Uh, but, but even that, even knowing where she comes from and, and the terrible circumstances that she's brought out of, we don't really get a sense of her that well. And, uh, and you know, and then that second episode, I'm just going to lump it together. We'll talk about it later. We don't have to get into it. But the first episode, she's, she's uh, screaming at Q. And then the second episode, she's, um, <laughs> uh, you know, she's enjoying her crewmates. I don't, I don't know how to say it. Um, you know, and you it's mean, just like um, she's enjoying putting on Deanna's clothes. <laughs> that's what you mean? It's just she's it's enjoying just, raiding a closet. I mean, that's what exactly. we all like to do. It's just like she's all over the place, and you know, there's in the in the fact that that all of the characters on TNG, I think, you know, some more than others, but all of the characters eventually grew into into something. Uh, I think she definitely definitely had potential as well. It's just we never really got to see it, unfortunately. Well, and I don't know here, maybe none of us, but like you brought up Encounter at Farpoint. What what did that pilot kind of promise or what kind of check did that kind of write for Yar, do you all think? Like, and may, which may or may not have actually been fulfilled. Well, I think that it, it sets up a couple of things. Um, it does talk a little bit about her backstory, um, which is, um, you know, she said in an interview at the time in Starlog that um, she saw herself as sort of a street kid trying to make good. Um, And we do get that, although there's a lot of mention of rape gangs that's really kind of awful. And uh, I I hate that word. I I hate every time they bring it up. We we get, okay, never mind. Yeah, and you don't ever get to explore, like, how that must have been seriously traumatic. Um, And it could have been interesting if they were willing to go um, into exploring more of her her trauma in sort of a similar way that they did to Kira in DS9. Um, they also set up that she sees Picard as a father figure, uh, that she really uh, wants to impress him and sees him as like a superior figure. Um, and that, again, could be kind of interesting, but I don't think it ever really developed. Yeah, and it, I'm, I'm almost always trying to struggle with kind of where it's coming from, but, you, you know, Thinking about Yar's backstory, I'm almost like, where was there some sort of like metaphor we're talking like, you know, to, to come <laughs> what from. What were they trying I mean, to say? Well, in other words, it's not very American per se to, to have that kind of background, but I'm like, you know, was the writer trying to think like, because Yar, I don't know, it's very, you know, Eastern European or, or Russian, we know, and there's certainly places uh, at that time and probably now that in Eastern Europe that have that, that, that and other places in the world that could be like that but i'm sort of trying to wonder like why why they sort of had that hook of like you know uh rape gang yeah that's 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 a that's a you know a a viable background story well i don't know if this was related but the character was originally supposed to be latino her name was matcha hernandez Mm -hmm. um so then it was only after aliens character yeah it was only after they cast denise crosby that they made her ukrainian you know and and to to the point you were trying to make, I think Philip, um, in my head, and I don't know if this is true, um, but I feel like the backstory is kind of written um, at least as far in scope as Encounter at Farpoint is written is for the one scene. Like that's what sticks out to me in Encounter at Farpoint. That's mm-hmm. one of like Tasha Yar's scenes. Like even though I feel it's a little heavy-handed and, and kind of uh, overacted a little bit, maybe of course it's beginning, it's okay. But the scene where she's yelling at Q and she's saying, "It's it, you know," she's basically, you know, praising Starfleet. You know, it's people like these 
that brought me out of this terrible situation. It's like these are the only. This is the reason uh, that we that we follow the Enterprise crew. It's, it's Starfleet was just such a fantastic, wonderful, amazing, uh, you know, group of people, a group of beings, uh, and and it's really just meant, I think, to show how virtuistic uh, and amazing Starfleet is, and that's what comes out. Like I don't know if I can't say that they specifically wrote the character's background for that scene, but it's certainly, in, if you watch Encounter at Farpoint, that's what sticks out to me anyways. I just think if you're going to write such a traumatic and hardcore backstory for someone, don't use it and just throw it away, which is basically what they did. Like, they never actually explored what the consequences of that would be. It was almost like just like a an afterthought for her. And I also don't like the way that that sets Yar up from the beginning as a victim. And maybe that could have been okay if then they let her overcome anything, but they don't. They keep her a victim, and then they finally let her overcome something, and then they jerk her right back to victim status after that. And it's just really frustrating to me that they take what is supposed to be a strong woman and focus on the way that she's been made to be a victim. Well, one of the things that it just always stuck in my head when, when thinking about Yar is just, I mean, I know an encounter, you know, it's a brand new crew, you know, everyone's just starting to get to know each other, but I always felt there was this, um, she was always like, like raising her hand, like, uh, hi, I'm, I'm the security officer. Like I should be going on this mission or, Oh, I should be, you know, I mean, Worf does it in, you know, like a stomping his foot way, but, but I felt like, I I felt like out of the gate, and maybe this is just my memory is not not as as solid on Encounter Farpoint, but it felt like out of the gate, Picard is almost not trusting her in her role. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't trust, but do you guys get that same vibe at all? Kind of from the beginning episodes, where it's almost like she's trying to prove, like it's almost like she was acting Ensign Yar, who got promoted up to you know, chief of security and we should let her do this. It's like, I don't know. I kept getting that vibe in the beginning. Well, I mean, acting ensign is a, is a legit rank. So I can see <laughs> where you would get that. that. Um, you know, it kind of remind. I think maybe you're, you could be rich. I mean, you could have a, a bunch of points there, but I think you may be retroactively doing all good things where, you know, Picard's like, so uh, we could do security phase three and yards like, um, I'm the security <laughs> chief, unless you were going to, change that and he's like oh no 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 no, yeah you uh yahoo yeah yeah that's you, true that's you, true the, might, the blonde one yeah yeah that might right. be you. <laughs> i remember you from six and a half years ago um i want to say I, vicky um yeah actually you know i i actually think that the her um appearance in all good things i don't i know we're not there yet but this is kind of exactly where we were just going really actually to me adds to the to the um to the character a lot because she has um you know, I guess you would say like uh, maybe the the Scotty role in um, which is I guess it's the motion picture, right? That's the one where they're like circling around the Enterprise for seventeen years. Um, but you know, like she's she's actually the one that introduces Picard to the Enterprise, mm-hmm. and that's like a that's actually to me it's like oh she actually is she's from the start right there right right mm. by Picard's side. Uh, she's the one that's uh, you know Picard is like. Oh, red alert! Go to the Devron system, and she's like, "You heard the man," and blah blah blah. You know, like it's it's she's right off the gate. I know it's like you know it's retroactively putting that in there, but right. it actually mm-hmm. did make it seem like 
she had a stronger introduction in hindsight. In like Riker, sense. or you know, well, many yeah, or, of the, the, or yeah, Riker, yeah. Now I'm just picturing all good things. Like if if you get like the Blu-ray, there's actually the three-hour version where Picard and Yar just go around the Enterprise for around thirty minutes. <laughs> 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 no, Yar, you you passed you passed the parking spot. No, oh no, we got to now we got to circle all the way around. So one-way space ferry. Gosh, okay. And, and, and the Picard turns around. He's like, "Women drivers, am I right?" Like, we got to cut that. We got to can't we can't that is sexism. We got to. It would make more sense in uh, in TNG at least because the ship is much much bigger. So it would make more sense <laughs> that it would take longer to get around it. So <laughs> it, is, uh, it is true. Are you saying, Daniel, that the flyby in the Deep Space Nine movie of the Defiant oh, it would, would take, take thirty seconds, three seconds to go around the Defiant? <laughs> uh, well, before we get off the rails, um, I mean, we, we mentioned kind of episodes and and yar centric episodes such as they were. Um, so I just kind of wanted to go around and. And see what episodes or or moments, because um, I don't know. It, it, you, we can say Yara centric episodes, but you know, few and far in between. Just like any, I think, in season one. Um, but any Yar moments kind of stood out for for good or for ill. Um, so, uh, Jara, any any from season one, any particular episode or or Yar moment that you thought either served or the opposite of the word served the character um well um when i think about yar moments in season one one of the first things that comes to my mind is her uh explaining to wesley about drugs <laughs> you mean you mean, oh, you mean when she takes the chair from out of nowhere flips it around <laughs> yep. sits in the back and starts to say hey let's wrap the just say no episode yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you might remember me from such tactical officers as <laughs> <laughs> and she, she like comes out after the credits <laughs> oh hi there wesley i see you <laughs> drugs are bad and, and um that's like it's an example of i mean that a lot of that whole part and partly that just the way wesley is written in that season too it just all the obnoxiousness kind of comes together and it's so like after school special beating you over the head with that message. Um, but the idea of Yar, um, you know, being a survivor of a horrible planet, being able to like give guidance to fellow crew members is not a bad idea in and of itself. It's just so poorly and <laughs> hilariously done in that episode. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually a star. We should actually investigate that. Um, anyway. um, <laughs> it's still a core fragment drifting through the Devron system. Wesley's like, I just don't think I'll ever get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, just wait a few seasons when you get a little game to put on your yeah, head. Yeah, you will yes, understand. Yeah, Wesley, drugs aren't a game. Or yeah. a game. Or, hey, I totally got his great pep talk from like our old... You know, tactical officer. I don't think we should put this game on. <laughs> so, so does this version of the Yar hologram? Because I assume everyone got one. It was like okay. a party favor after the funeral. Um, like, does his like press it and says like, "Don't do drugs." <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because that is actually the moment I was thinking of. Is her horrible <laughs> funeral? In which she gives a eulogy to everyone but herself. What did you learn mm-hmm. from so basically, Yara, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I was so struck by that. Is like this is just the the ultimate screw you to that character because she dies 
horribly, I might add, <laughs> like just the worst stuff ever. And then they force her to stand up at her own funeral and talk about how great everybody else is. And I just, I can't even like picture that. Like, I what? Um, and, and, and then just how awkward it is. Like they're all standing around in the Windows 95 background talking about how great they are and nobody says a word about Yar at all. And it's her own funeral. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like that's kind of like a metaphor for the entire character arc for her in the first season. It's horrible and hilarious. (laughs) For those who are having problem picturing it, I just wanted to show for our people. (laughs) 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 Yep. (laughs) <laughs> That's pretty much what it looked like. Uh, I've, I I I got my Atashi R action figure uh, like th- a couple uh, weeks ago at a con, and then like Daniel mm-hmm. suggested, I printed out the Windows ninety five background, <laughs> <laughs> so therefore I can now have Yar at the funeral. Yes, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, the idea that you wouldn't even, like, you're also, what a waste of Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart could have delivered an amazing Yar eulogy, even with what little they had to go on about, you know, personal sacrifice and friendship and stuff like that. But nope. If only there was an episode where Patrick Stewart did deliver a eulogy to the crew about a dead... I'm doing a a, a Lower Deck. I'm sorry, I just love Lower Deck. So, um, you know, actually, it's interesting that you say that, Andy. I never thought of it that way. Um, And I don't think I'm spoiling anything for Deep Space Nine by saying... um, That Yar does not come back. When... (laughs) She doesn't. That that Yar is not... (laughs) She's more of a DS9 Um, character... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know that when um when o'brien says that he when he goes on a, away missions he prepares mm. um he prepares uh, you know uh, messages for his loved ones that's kind wait, of what wait, i got who, out of it. it wasn't like well we won't talk about <laughs> um for um um okay, uh, oh, shoot i almost <laughs> said the wrong word <laughs> Uh, yeah, what, what is the what is her daughter's Molly. name? I can't remember off the top of my <sighs> Molly. Thank you. I was actually thinking mostly for Bashir. He's probably leaving <laughs> messages just there's for a, Bashir. There's yeah. a rack of isolinear chips and Rom. for Bashir. <laughs> and he's giving Rom all the instructions. Miles is giving his message like, "All right, you know, I love you, Molly." And then to my, um, uh, oh wait, what's his name? Oh well, Julian. I'll just I'll just leave it for Julian. Ah, <laughs> uh, Julian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you know, so I was like. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying, Andy, but like she's not going to talk about how great she was. The the point was that those messages were meant for other people. I don't know why that would be an issue. No, I understand that. But the way they set it up is it's her funeral. And that's basically the the stand in for the eulogy. Like, it's not like they they spent a great deal of time talking about Yar. Doesn't pipe up and say, let me say a few words. (laughs) This is what I learned from Yar. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I have mixed feelings about it because I I agree that, like, I think she deserved tributes from the rest of the crew. And I was trying to think about, like, what does a funeral look like in our society? And generally, it is about the people that are left. You know, obviously, the person that's gone doesn't have an interest, really, in what happens. Um, So it's more to make you know, to help them achieve closure, but it's also an occasion for people to feel like they're honoring that person. And really all they do is kind of listen to her compliment them and then cry. 
We see in the 25th <laughs> century. <laughs> that is we perfectly what, what it is. But you know what also is? I mean, I'm reading too much into this, and I know it. But um, like, imagine you get a new job, and then eight months later, somebody dies, and you go to their funeral. Um, I actually think it would be more awkward than heartwarming. Like, you, maybe you never really got to know this person so well. So maybe it was just. You know, nobody had anything crazy, I, you know, crazy. I don't, I don't know if important. everyone gets the reference, <laughs> but, like, are you saying Yar is the Frank Grimes of the Simpsons here on the Enterprise D? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, to compare and contrast anyways, it to so, um, another, you know, funeral, literally at the opposite end of TNG, <laughs> uh, like, you can't get more opposite, uh, you know, with, with, with Data's, you know, that's... Uh, yeah, yeah. <gasps> it's been years. It's been years, but um, but yeah, but I know I see what you're saying though, Philip. It's like how yes, the writers could have written it better, but they also the as the crew hadn't really known her a lot, but they still should have said something. Well, and it's interesting that it's both good and bad that you know if you're if you're watching Skin of Evil, um, spoilers, and you're you're not sure what's coming, it it starts off with like. Wow. You know, I really like this episode. They're finally letting Yar get some spotlight. She's talking <laughs> mm-hmm. to Worf. Worf and her having a little banner. Well, you know, I don't know if it's Percy Squares or something. And Worf's like, well, I'm, I'm going to bet on you to win. Death to the opposition. Oh, like, you're so sweet. And that's, you know, I'm like, oh, look, they have a relationship. Wow. I can tell this character is going to go far. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you want to go back and see that in real time, that was exactly my reaction when I was first time trekking. And that was one of the most infamous moments. And that was the first season. So I actually didn't have all that many followers yet that were, were, you know, following the live tweeting. And even then, that was still one of the moments that everyone was like, ha, I've been waiting for this. Like, just see your reaction. Because I was like, wait. Like, is she what? dead dead? Wait, no, th- she's not <laughs> yeah. really dead. They didn't just, like, randomly kill her. Mid-episode. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, and she and looks like she... I was like, that that goo monster didn't just kill her, right? And, and then she's like, it is something shock and dis- <laughs> She's, like, lying in the sick bay with, like, jam on her face. <laughs> it's, like, like oh, the gosh, least convincing yeah. injury ever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've gone on record and I'll say it again. I don't, maybe everybody here disagrees with me. Maybe everybody disagrees with me in all of <laughs> fandom. I love, love, love the way she dies. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's realistic. I love that it's not, there's no, I mean, I know they kind of, they, at the end of the episode with that, when she has the hologram, they kind of fix this, but there's no like, it, there's no theme. There's no. There's no point. It's just she dies, and and that makes sense to me in a lot of ways. And it actually raises the stakes for the show. Like if you go in space and you meet these aliens and they're super powerful, guess what? Not everybody's gonna live, and not everybody that's important is gonna live. And and I like that it's just a random happenstance. It doesn't mean anything, as we learn in yesterday's Enterprise. It's a totally meaningless death, and guess what? Death is meaningless. Almost all of the time. People don't choose to die most of the time. And if you're going to go in space, it makes sense to me. And I, I, I know just, when I choose to die, I try to I, make sure it's meaningful. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I, I can see that, Daniel. The thing that I would say is that tonally it doesn't fit with the rest of Star Trek. Uh, well, not really, because, I mean, in a lot of Star Trek, people die and we just don't know them. Like, so, I mean, I guess that's that's that's. I know, but they're they're consigning her to like 
basically a pointless red shirt death, and she's supposed to be an important character. Well, th- and that's my she's point. Queen is of the it's not, it's, it se- yeah, it is it a red shirt more, death. Though. Maybe she is. <laughs> it, it's exactly, and it's a red shirt death that means something because now we know now, that actually adds more to red shirt deaths because it's like, well, guess what? These are real yeah. people too. And Maybe w- if I thought they had done that on purpose, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I would agree well, with you, well, but I really right. kind of feel like it was more like, well, crap, well, we got to write it I mean, Bye. I remember reading at the time that I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Gene Roddenberry saying that, you know, they chose to do this because they wanted people to know space is a dangerous place. And so they decided to use, to, like you were saying, basically have a pointless death just totally randomly so you could, like you said, raise the stakes. So... I, I feel like that's what they were trying to do, and I'm not sure that I can envision a way that would have been like more fitting. Um, I just didn't really like the the sort of the lead up and the funeral. Um, but I mean, certainly, I wouldn't want her to been in like a damsel in distress situation, like or Troy in the shuttle. Like you contrast this right to like to wrath of Khan, which the entire movie is about the sacrifice of spock the entire there's a, we watch two hours of an adventure that's about well, one person Kirk sacrificing himself saving the it. enterprise yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really touching. <laughs> we don't talk about wow. that. We, we don't talk <laughs> about that. super triple blood <laughs> Anyways, um, um uh you know so it's like and that's fine, and it has its place, but not every character gets to have a Spock death. And I just, that's what makes sense to me. And we don't, there are other deaths that do the same kind of thing. Uh, I won't say which, but um, it, I, to me, it makes, I like it. I really, really do like it. And I wish it actually happened more. I wish, and I think if Star Trek comes back or, you know, it'll it'll be like that. I think people will die more frequently and it'll be, it'll be, because there'll be a bigger cast, of course, but people you'll pay attention to who's dying, and it'll it'll matter. It makes it makes well, you the care. new showrunner Stephen Moffat will make sure that oh, many God. many die. <laughs> or Joss Whedon, yeah, or Joss Whedon, yeah. <laughs> Just as long as it's not quite as much as Game of Thrones. I was going to say, okay. on a scale of Game <laughs> of Thrones to uh, to to leave it to Beaver, how many people are going to be dying on this show? Okay, winter is coming <laughs> to space. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about um the tonality like it's interesting like in retrospect like if, if you're watching tng in season one and and i can't it's gonna hurt my brain to think like this is what was happening in 1987 tv but like okay the main character or one of the main characters just like dies you know two-thirds away one of the characters doesn't even come back the second season you're like what is gonna happen next no one is safe <laughs> if you're a female <laughs> or rather, say, no women yeah. are safe well, although, you know, at the end of season three, we do get the, is the captain coming back? That was pretty significant. Um, I think if Picard more is a deep space. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Picard character wasn't really fleshed out until Emissary. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, well, I, and we kind of veered into it. So, like, any other any other kind of thoughts on, on Yar's death? I mean, because we'll, 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 we'll get into yesterday's Enterprise here in, in a moment. But, um... And, and, and I don't know. It's funny, Andy. When you say that, to, if you really want to contrast, and of course we do, you know, to have sort of Troy. I don't want to say she doesn't do anything in that episode because she does. I mean, you know, what what little she. But I mean, she is responsible for for. Talk, well, I mean, it's Picard, but but she does her little bit of trying to to negotiate there, even though she is just sitting in a shuttle the whole episode. Um, 
you know, but then you think of Yar, who's sort of, you know, action-packed Yar, and then it's like, action-packed dead, and then, like, Troy, <laughs> just sit sit here and, and feel, and we'll let well, you live. I, I would have rather, if she had died, it had been in, like, the arsenal of freedom. I mean, not, like, like as if they'd moved that episode to the same... That'd be a less the same... episode now. Well, but I'm just saying, you know, where she's doing a lot more in that, and she's struggling against it, and maybe she's sacrifices and jumps in front of a beam like for Riker or you know not to say like she needs to sacrifice herself for a man that's not what I'm saying but what I'm you know I just saying in that episode I like the interactive collective fight they're all doing much more than skin of evil where it's like you know don't touch this oh no I touched it oh I know I'm dead you know hot lava hot lava yeah (laughs) (laughs) it could have been worse she could have taken the syringe meant for Wesley and Justice Oh, or she could have. Uh, uh, I'm rewriting. Died that, that's from better. the claw, spiky, you know, gauntlet yeah. from. Uh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yar did die before she died. Foreshadowing. Was that code of yes. honor? Yeah. Oh, no, no, it never happened. Actually, it never happened. Darren, just forget it. Wasn't there never like happened. 18 episodes in season one? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, like, um, I don't know, we didn't really finish up, but Darren or Daniel, any moments or episodes that really scream Yar one way or the other to you? Uh, as, as far as, as one thing that, that sticks out to me is the time out <laughs> penalty box uh, from Q less Q pid Q, Q whatever Q squared. I don't remember the stupid <laughs> you episode listed three, name. Daniel, you still missed on all three shots. <laughs> Deja Q, um, <laughs> whatever. Q. Which one is it? Which one's the first two? Hide in Q. I, see, don't know. I can't. I can't even <laughs> pick it randomly. Um, but anyways, that is always that always bothers me. Well, there's rules me. in the penalty box, Daniel. Um, you know, much like baseball, there is no crying. Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. And he's like, you know, Picard's like, you can cry. And that's just like an <laughs> awkward scene. Like I just like. Like she, sh- I don't know. I just, I don't know. Is is that like d- that feels poorly written to me? That doesn't feel like a strong character. It's like he, she comes up to the penalty box. She could be, you know, sent to oblivion. I mean, that is scary. I'm not saying it's not, but you could be sent to oblivion every time you get on the transporter. Why is she so like? I don't I understand. Like, she's so helpless. <laughs> or oh, we have Barkley right now. I don't know. That that scene always sticks out to me as like. I mean, that's not a great episode overall so i guess that's not hey, know, on a good the example, but it, planet, to me, always, i mean you know they were doing their best yeah. <laughs> oh with God. the pig animal monsters the pig people <laughs> animal things yeah i don't know it, that's it's interesting because and, and this is and I, I know all of us here you know, on on the show at women in warp i've kind of heard this talked about you know yar as a character you know, you have this sort of interesting thing of like you're going to have this uh, militant's not the right word, but I will use it anyway. You're going to have this militant character, right, who's you know tough and ready and ru- ready to rumble, and like that's cool. But then it's sort of like the, the writers are like, but we, but she's a woman, so we got to do something with that, right? Right? We just can't have her be like that. And so the, you, episode the, three, gotta cry. Episode yeah. eight, gotta cry. It's like yeah, what? Gotta, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's just her characterization is all over the map. It's very inconsistent. 
And that is one reason why I don't think we got very much of a sense of her because I don't think that they really knew what they were doing with her. It's like they're like, oh, we wanted we want to do like a tough woman. But I mean, are people going to be turned off by how tough she is? We should soften her, soften her there and soften her there. But then it doesn't mix with like the persona that they've given her. And the whole thing ends up being like, do you know what Yara would do in any given situation? No. Is she going to be tough or is she going to cry? She gonna t- no, she's no, going to tell you about her past. A- that I can guarantee. <laughs> well, it's her legacy. Yeah, I mean, if you if you take anyone like any other character and I think Marina Sirtis was right in that they didn't give Troy anything to do in season 1 either, but we at least got characterization for her later on. So if you take any of these characters, you, you can kind of good characterization you can tell good characterization when you take a character and you put a hypothetical situation and you can kind of guess how that character is going to react in that situation because you know who they are. You can't do that with Yar. And I think that's why she, she for the most part, was a failure as a character. And it's really disappointing because the seeds were all there. The potential was there. The actress was there. And they just couldn't get it together to, to write her The monster properly. was there. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, no. and I think sad. another moment that that I mean I don't know whether it's good or bad, but that just comes out when I'm ta- thinking about Yar is her her giggling at um, naked Riker in um, that other horrible episode of he's like no Angel this, One this is what they wear and she's Angel like <laughs> <laughs> Troy get out your 24th century camera we totally got to put this on 24th century Facebook. Instagram. <laughs> Hashtag number one. Um, <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> well, you know, one thing that we sort of have the um, the luxury of is that she came back. Um, and She's back. Yeah, I know. So, you know, we, we've talked about yesterday's Enterprise and all good things. And I kind of wanted to talk about her appearances in those. And sort of the deeper question for me is, did those subsequent appearances kind of retroactively give that character more than there would have been you know it it's kind of reminds me of our um discussion we had when we were talking about um uh chaos on the bridge a couple weeks ago documentary of like you know if gene roddenberry hadn't made next generation he just have been this one shot you know kind of failed series character but hey it worked out you know but because he had next generation legacy well you know there's gene roddenberry the guy so yar you know if she had just been appeared for a season that was it and like do we even talk about her anymore but coming back in yesterday's enterprise and then coming back in all good things showing like we still remember her did that sort of like make that character more than what she was so uh daniel i know you're a you're a yesterday's enterprise kind of guy what do you think that that appearance sort of added to yar yeah i mean i mean what what bad can you say about yesterday it was enterprise? too that, short that episode is amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> there was only one part yeah i guess yeah and an awesome captain lady who uh i'm saying bring her back for a new series because Captain Garrett would be awesome. Yeah, you know, I think that they were retroactively trying to fix that death, which, again, I have just mentioned I don't have a problem with. So it's it's they're fixing a problem that I don't see as a problem, but they do it spectacularly and amazingly well. So I don't really have much to complain about um, other than where they go from this point. But we'll talk about that after. Um, no, it's amazing. It's great. It's, uh, you know, you get Guinan talking to her about you know you didn't you nothing you did mattered you were completely useless you know go now make uh, yourself a future and 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 you know uh i'm 
I can't say that I don't. I, I can't say that I don't. I'm not glad they brought her back because that and episode is again. so amazing. And if that was just the one-off, one shot that that I think it was intended to be, uh, I that would have been <laughs> the perfect wrap-up for me. And that would have, even though I don't think it was necessary, it still would have just been icing on the cake. Kind of just the ending to the character, perfect. That would have been awesome. And I wish they left it there. And in, in, in some ways, and I don't know if I'm reading it too much into it, but, you know, kind of like in Star Trek VI where, you know, when Spock and Kirk are talking about, like, you know, have we gotten so old? Is this a joke? It's kind of like almost Shatner and Nimoy talking. But, like, is that Denise Crosby talking in, all, in, in yesterday's Enterprise of, like, my death was useless. That was meaningless. <laughs> was she just, like, writing the lines for, for them? Yeah, it's totally meta. Like it's completely meta. Like, and you know, the writers were trying to make up for that as well. So yeah, it was that's what it was. Well, as we know, none of the season one writers even made it that far. So they're like those writers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> boy, what did yeah. they do? Yeah, no, I really liked uh, yesterday's Enterprise, and yeah, I think uh, you know that's that's one of the kind of sad things with with the with the newer Trek films is that because they're set again in the Kirk time, there's not a lot of past to use. And I think that's always been, you know, I, I can, I look to like other long running sci-fi shows like Dr. Who, which is, does a very good job of weaving in its own past. And, and so, yeah, we get to see the enterprise C, we get to see, you know, the lineage of the ship. We get to see more characters, you know, we get to see all this great stuff, you know, that in itself is a great part of that episode. And I wish Star Trek did more of that. I think they kind of almost sit on their hands sometimes of like, Oh, well we can't reference Vulcans cause that's too TOS or, you know, it's like, okay, they, I mean, they eventually get over it, but, um, but yeah, but no, and I think she, I mean, she's, I mean, she's got the title right there on the, on the title card. It's like special, you know, guest appearance by Denise Crosby. Like that's, that's her episode. I mean, she's, She's like the number, you know, she's like the number two, like that's, that's a Yar episode, you know, really. And, and Guinan, I mean, there's a lot of other characters too, but it's, they, they purposely put her at the center, which is great. And, and I love her, her cameo bit in, uh, in All Good Things, you know, it's a great, you got to visually show, you know, how is it the first season timeline versus you know, the seventh season time, like that, well, who's standing behind the horseshoe? Like, that's a great visual reference, you know, to show like who's sitting in the front. What's where the heck is Worf? You know, she is the, she is the Riker's beard. That's of true. The bridge. Did, did they, I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I've seen, uh, all good things. Did, did they have Riker with no beard? Riker was, again? Riker was on the planet. Um, well, that's right. That's did. right. So they, Cause I mean, even if he had shaved, like, Frakes looks seven years older. Like I don't think he could have pulled off Ensign Babyface. Yeah, face. they don't. They don't show. Uh, they don't show Riker in the past timeline. They only that, show. That's right. You reused, hear him, yeah. but you don't. That's right. Well, you see him too, but yeah, yeah. It's just all video from yeah. Well, you mean you don't like uh, Commander Babyface and Insurrection? Ah, uh, that's a whole other subject. That's a. <laughs> okay. All right. Well. Well, you know, we we kind of talked about kind of the beginning of Yar, and then sort of her second act, and 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 I guess Crosby, the the feeling, and again, we read too much into it, but I'm going to do it and go ahead and say it, even though it may be a lie. But that 
that the TNG family, like the like the real people, like they, I guess they, you know, Crosby, Denise Crosby is part of that family of of you know Frank Stewart, Spiner, Alaska. So it's almost like <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, you know, um, it's complicated. Um, but that you know, bringing her in and all good things is sort of like, yeah, no, we're all and O'Brien together. So, but because that was only, of course, the second chapter, the third chapter of the. Um, Denise Crosby trilogy, which um, Daniel, I think, I mean, I know you've <laughs> wanted to do this part forever, and that is, of course, um, Commander Sela. So, um, uh, let's see, D- Darren, Commander Sela, the the the, uh, the one of the chief antagonists of TNG, I, I would argue. What, what, do, what do you think of, of of this person who looks somewhat familiar? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see at eyes. the villains roundtable, you got you know the Dura sisters and Sela, and you got the Borg, and you know all the those season one Ferengi. They're all sitting there, you Wait, know. Did they're you all just ready to the TNG Suicide Squad. <laughs> no, no, this is the villain pub. I am not affiliating myself with the Suicide Squad, but uh, yeah, I think it's it's a bit of a stretch. Um, I mean, I, I guess because it just it was done so well in the two instances where she's still Yar, that to to bring her back and like try to you know I think we're just as confused as Picard is. He's like, this doesn't make sense. What the heck is going on? You know, you look just like Yar, and, and that the whole way she's angry and bitter and she's blaming Picard and. But it's like, but this is not Tasha. It so it's like, is it really supposed to be impacting Picard? And like it does, I don't know. It, I think overall, it doesn't it doesn't work like they're wanting it to. It's it's a fun cameo, but uh, but I think overall, she she wasn't really the super bad villain. Oh my gosh, you know, Riker, go hide under your sheets. You know, it just it didn't pan out. Right, and then just for the you know. Well. We pretended to research here. Um, the mind's eyes when she first appears. Of course, I say appears. She's actually in the shadows, if I remember correctly. And then it's a uh, redemption parts one and two um, during the Klingon Romulan to do. And then of course unification part two, where she's the bad guy to of course Mister Spock. Um, so, Andy, what'd you think of our uh, half Romulan, half human, one hundred percent interesting character? <laughs> 100% interesting. Okay. Um, the short answer is I didn't like it. Um, it. Not only do I absolutely hate what they apparently took. They apparently took all of the things that were awesome about yesterday's Enterprise. Redeeming Tasha Yar's death. And making her overcome her past and like take power over her future. And then crapping <laughs> all over it. And saying, like, no, 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 your death ended up being horrifying, and your life ended in pain and more rape, and your child ends up to grow up to hate you and everything you stood for. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Um, all of this so we can just have, like, a handful of, like, cliffhanger moments where everybody goes, what? Like, I just, that makes me so angry because... At the end of Unification Part 1, she steps out of the sa- shadows and she has this great line. And when you don't know what is going on, that there's this moment where you're like, oh, wow, cool, where are they going with this? And then it just does not work at all in execution going forward. 
and like the more you find out about what's going on, the the worse it is. <sighs> so the backstory part is horrifying to me, and I can't believe that they they did that, and it makes me really upset. But then like going on to her as just a character on her own, she doesn't work. She's foiled way too easily. She doesn't work as a good antagonist because. She's not good at being evil, apparently. Like, all of her plans, the second that they find out what she's planning, they're like, "Mm, never mind, nope, that's not going to happen. And they foil her in, like, two minutes, and it just makes her look stupid. I would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been to to that android of yours. (laughs) And those dang holograms. I mean, it's, but it's not just Spock. It's it's Spock with data. (laughs) I mean, it's. Spock with data. There's nothing <laughs> like they can do. Super Megazord, Daniel. What would that be? There's there is literally no villain in the Star Trek universe that can beat <laughs> Spock and Data together. It's not possible. But she doesn't even like they, make an honest effort at it. it. Well, why would you? You might as well not even bother. <laughs> it's Spock and Data. I mean, she at least could have stunned them <laughs> no. or like I don't know, restrained them to the chair. Oh, no. they just like unrestrained, wandering through her office full of computers. Yeah. That'll go well. well. Don't worry, this door lock <laughs> is unpenetrable. <laughs> this normal office door <laughs> is built to Romulan tolerance. It's like no, it's like it's like she they they were on the the prisoner honor system. You guys don't try to escape now, all right? Man, I'm just going to leave you in here. So, it's just uh, I'm now picturing the Romulan seal like stamped really small on the corner of the door. It's like Romulans built tough. <laughs> I just it's just really disappointing because when you have your villain be undermined like that, then it also undermines your heroes because they're not really overcoming much. So that's why it's such a problem when you have an antagonist that doesn't work is it also it also undermines your heroes and their journey. So the whole thing doesn't work and I don't think it's worth it. And Mary agrees. Well, I mean if she had done her if she had done her homework, she would have known. I mean Data beat Moriarty. If he could beat Moriarty, he could beat anybody. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like uh peak performance when the Frank you're all of a sudden like oh we've been outmaneuvered let's leave it's like that's basically what she does in redemption part two well oh dang it they uh they yeah they they see us we're (laughs) over here is she the dr claw of tng next time time, data next time i i do 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 (laughs) data's the one with the cat only he's the one with the cat (laughs) i have an explanation for uh i have an explanation for why she's so terrible and so easily beaten (laughs) um and without being a little too crass i'm saying this is the only way this is physically possible that tasha yar must have impregnated herself and had birth to herself because she plays because this is my biggest problem well i have lots of problems with and we know. I, I, yes, with Sela, <laughs> and the fact, and I hate this, I, and I hate it even when it's done well. In Star Trek VI, Worf plays Worf. He plays Worf's grandfather, and his name is Worf. And I'm like, oh my god, I uh, hate Colonel this. Colonel Worf, it's completely different. <laughs> <laughs> and in it's that, a family name, Daniel. That, it's a family name. In that movie, it is done well, and it's still stupid. Because if you're watching the movie, you're like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. Hold on, that's Michael Dorn. I know his voice. I know it very well. 
and he's playing a character named I so Lore. wish I was in the movie theater during Star Trek. And <laughs> just see, like, the forehead sky, ridges like, were no, completely just different. ends up in the movie theater and is like, hey, that's Lore. <laughs> Get down in front, Billy. It is, I hate God, this so much. I would never do a podcast with him. It's one of my biggest pet peeves, and it's so... When she first steps out of the shadows and it's like she has pointy ears, I'm like, nope. I, I call BS immediately. <laughs> nope. You are like, not a real in the shadows. character. Back in the shadows. <laughs> you are not a real character. I don't find you threatening or intimidating. This doesn't make any sense. I don't care how you wanted to bring that person back. You don't put... You don't bring them back as a separate character. That doesn't make any sense. It, oh, it frustrates me so much. I'm sorry. That's my little rant. And then on top of that, like we just talked about, you have three of the most legendary Star Trek characters of all time going up against <laughs> her, and they beat her by putting a false wall in the room. And it's like, this is... I mean, that's some Mission Impossible stuff <laughs> right there. On. They, Mission Impossible literally does that all the time. <laughs> There's so much potential there. And you... Uh, uh, the less Sayla there is, the better. The, it, she, she, she makes a mockery of the Romulans. She makes a mockery of Tasha. She makes a mockery of our heroes. She's just... It, it's... Uh, it, you know what it is? I, it's Denise was friends with people, the writers. I don't know. And she's like, please bring me back. I'll wear the ears. I don't care. I, you know, and then they just bring brought me her back, back four times. <laughs> yeah, and I just <laughs> not friends with the season one writers, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, we, we, we could, we've gone actually pretty long here and we could probably talk about more here, but, but I suppose out of the interest that uh, we will, we will wrap up here. Um, so I'll just, I'll, I'll give everyone sort of a, uh, Denise Crosby final thoughts moment. Um, and if you want to use it to, um, give a message to the kids, you know, use it. That's fine. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll let our guests have last word. So, um, Darren, what, what are your, uh, your final thoughts on Ms. Crosby's appearances in Star Trek, the next generation? Well, the the only thing we didn't talk about was that we see her sister. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it, in uh, it was it Ishara, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just to to sum up what we were saying about redemption, you know, I think, you know, th- think about this, writers. If if it had been like Ishara, and it's like, oh, it's her sister, and you're like, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, exactly. Then don't even make it her. Like, if it doesn't make sense, if it's her family member, it wouldn't make sense if it was her. But you don't have a sister. Uh, you never even <laughs> told me you had a sister. <laughs> uh, but no. So I think, yeah. I mean, just our, I kind of just agree with our general consensus. You know, it. What if a good character wasn't written as well as it could be? Great actress. Um, Pretty, but yeah, her, her definitely her shining moments are yesterday's Enterprise and all good things. I mean, the and because just really well written, and uh, and yeah, I I now really want to watch again that uh, fly around the Enterprise intro scene with uh, her and all good things because I think that's an underrated scene of of her getting to to talk with and I and I'm glad that that wasn't the only time we saw her it like that we had yesterday's Enterprise. And it wasn't just, look who we're bringing back, you know, for the finale, you know, because we got to see all our characters in the finale. We can't possibly have a final, you know, episode and not show, a, you know, a main character who's been on the show for, you know, at least a year. So, uh, who would do that? But I know that would be Jidzy Orosh. Um, anyway, so, uh, <laughs> Daniel? Um, yeah, yeah, you know, um, one thing that we didn't really, really talk about too that I just want to briefly touch on is how they use data, um, kind of to, to 
reference back to Yar a lot of times. Like we get a, a, an indirect Yar reference in uh, First Contact. Uh, of course, that's a that's his his count. Him saying how many days <laughs> that's it's his, been. That's his countdown timer <laughs> to know, the last it's time it's standard late. third date discussion yeah. <laughs> stuff. You have to go into your exes. But you know, I mean, like there's that great moment in. Um, measure of a man when he's packing up his stuff and and uh you know it's not that that's the uh the only way that we view this character but it's it is interesting because um that is the character that she has the greatest impact on in one of the her one of the dumbest kind of acts that she does on the show but it was interesting to me that they like kind of kept that relevant um at least to Data's character, because we don't really get too many callbacks in TNG, you know, not all the time. Um, and it was nice that they used that relationship to kind of bring it back every now and again. Um, but you know, the same, you know, we're we're all I think going to echo the same sentiment about uh, a great a great amount of potential. And what would it what would TNG have been like? It would have been a very different show if uh, Denise had stayed on for all seven seasons. Like, what would have happened? Um, to all of these different characters and, and how they have been impacted. It would have been really interesting, I think, and um, it's too bad we didn't get to see her, uh, but we did get some good stuff out of that character even after she left um, and some not good stuff, but we'll focus on the positive. So, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 She's a, a, an interesting character that really had a lot of potential and, and they did what they did and, and that's part of the show, but... Uh, I am glad that they brought her back for the for the final episode for sure. Well, now Daniel, according to Yara, that that episode is actually not canon because she says it never happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this never happened. <laughs> Andy, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I really just have to echo Darren and Daniel. I mean, it's kind of disappointing that we we see like the the height that this character could go to and unfortunately it's it's very brief we only get really two episodes where she gets to really shine um but it kind of shows you what missed opportunities there were for this character if if she had been around and maybe they would have figured out how to use her properly as a character and um it could have been cool but sadly um season 1 writing did not do her justice Justice! Justice! Justice. (laughs) Yar gets her groove on. All right, and Jira? Yeah, I was going to say that one of my favorite Yar lines is from Justice at the beginning where Jordy is like, these people make love at the drop of a hat. And she goes, any hat. (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) Like, some planets where it's only certain kinds of hats? Um, But, uh, (laughs) yeah, essentially... Pretty much reiterating what we've we've been saying. Uh, there, I think there was a lot of potential. Um, I understand. Like, I don't blame Denise Crosby for leaving um, because that probably would have been a pretty frustrating situation to be in. Um, but uh, it it would have been really cool to see if they could have developed her further, uh, knowing that they did eventually make it more of an ensemble show than it had originally been planned to be under Roddenberry, and uh, it's cool you know going back and looking even though i didn't see the impact of her at the time because i was also you know already in the 90s when i went back and watched that um but uh seeing the the fan mail that she got after the death of yar from all of these women fans who were just so like devastated to lose this strong woman character 
Um, it, it really makes you think that even though sh there was a lot of potential left unexplored, um, she still meant a lot to a lot of women fans at the time who just hadn't seen anything like her in Star Trek before. Awesome. Yeah, well, and it, it's, I think, she's certainly a essential part of The Next Generation, and I think it is kind of unique because sometimes we, we do kind of want to like whitewash TNG, like, oh, it's all episodic, and they never talk about anything. But I actually do think they, they to an extent, did treat that character with the respect of, yeah, we're going to like mention her at least once a season because she did happen. You know, we're not, you know, ignoring her or so I always thought that was interesting, whether it was Data or even or even not. Because I remember there's the episode, um, The Most Toys, where, you know, Troy actually has to counsel Worf on like, you know, you get all your promotions through dead people. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, so, that, you know, Troy's brought up, excuse me, Yars brought up that way. And so it's interesting. And, you know, that's actually for, for a character who didn't appear that much. We, we've talked a lot. We could actually talk a whole lot more. But um, Yar on The Next Generation is not the only thing that we've been talking about here on the network this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed here on Trek.fm. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. <laughs> It wasn't so much, you know, some down and dirty action, you know, and, and stuff. It's more like Spock is in heaven and it's all good until he comes back, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I think that's pretty, I think those are the lyrics. Earl Grey. We divide the ship into one of two ways. Port goes to port. <laughs> I better not see any starboard guys on the starboard phaser target practice. You guys know which side of the ship you're on. The orb. Also, the original title of this episode was A Matter of Breeding, which when we talk about things feeling TNG-ish, that could have been a Riker episode. <laughs> <laughs> the Ready Room. It's about people and feelings and emotions. It's about philosophy. It's about the future. It's about hope. It's about glory. It's about intellectual promise. That's what Axnar is about. It is not a story about pew, pew, pew. I promise you that. To the journey! I can just hear the Earl Grey people screaming, Measure of a man! Measure of a man! <laughs> and you know what I would say to that? Death wish! Death wish! Warp 5. I remember watching Broken Bow when Enterprise first debuted when I was in high school. And I remember revisiting it now in full. And I had forgotten the fact that future guy had actually played an integral role from the get-go with Silic and the Sulaban, which we'll talk about later in the show. Commentary, Trek stars. I think part of it, you know, which is probably good, is that he's probably not familiar with what happened, you know, in, in season one of Next Gen, aside from hearing stories here and there. So he's just like, whatever, I'm just going to get the story. The 602 Club. I think he's very much recreating that THX feel and you may di you may disagree with it. You may not think it's you know it's great, but it's on purpose. He, he wants that world to be that way. Let me just say, conceptually, I agree with that. In terms of execution, that's where I think he failed. Literary treks. It's amazing to me as I reread these stories how much of it I just kind of think of as Deep Space Nine these days, even though it wasn't part of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> you know the the actual series. Axonar the official podcast it is the spirit of tos that matters that's being captured but it doesn't necessarily have to be the aesthetic the aesthetic was 1966 to 1969 that had its moment it had its time and there's a certain amount of charm still to that 
but it doesn't allow you to push the narrative forward because that type of aesthetic holds creativity back, in my opinion. Women at Warp. My absolute favorite thing about this episode is that this is a love potion only if it's between a man and a woman. They make it explicitly clear that if you touch two men or two women, they just become really good friends. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zoom. Visit the Trek.fm website for the full Trek experience. You can view our podcast directory to stream the audio from all of our shows. If you would like to contact us, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose Message to a Trek FM Show and select Earl Grey. These messages will be relayed by Starfleet to the three of us. In social media, you'll find us on facebook.com slash trek.fm or join our Facebook listener discussion group called The Babel Conference. Find it by searching The Babel Conference on Facebook. Now let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor this week, Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. This is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. There's one more way you can directly help us to keep Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting patreon.com slash trek.fm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a trek.fm patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all our great content. So please become a patron and visit patreon.com slash trek.fm today. All right, Andy, um, if folks want to talk to you about um, the other ways that um, Yara's background could have been improved, where can they reach you on the interwebs? Uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter, at First Time Trek. I am currently live tweeting DS9. All right. And Jara, if people want to talk to you about the kinds of hats that you wear and how you drop them, where can they reach you <laughs> oh, on the God. interwebs? <laughs> Um, I am on Tumblr at trekkiefeminist.tumblr.com and of course me and Andy are also contactable through uh, the Women at Warp podcast at Women at Warp on Twitter and the Women at Warp Facebook page. Awesome. And Darren, if people want to talk to you about uh, your favorite Romulan um, enemies, where can they contact you? (laughs) Uh, they can find me under Dr. Sci-Fi, either DrSciFi.com, Dr. Sci-Fi on Twitter, or Instagram. All right. And Daniel, if people want your thoughts about genetics and how it works, how can they find you? <laughs> uh, well, they could open, you know, like a, a fifth grade textbook and find out. Oh, no, no, but seriously, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle there is 1updan. That's the number one, not the word. All right. And if folks want to see me in a yellow uniform, they can reach me at Twitter. Um, my handle there is NC Public Servant. That's NC for North Carolina. 
Well, guys, it's been uh, great. Um, I think I'm actually going to um, uh, go back into another reality in which um, Daniel is not the co-host. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't really want to live in that in that alternate reality, <laughs> but I think it would make a great episode just once. So I'll see you all next week. Make it so. Live long and prosper. Engage. Are we done yet? Fire. Fire.